0: You're now listening to sound talent media check out more shows at soundtalentmedia.com but i don't miss the hangovers you know and i kind of always took everything a little too far i think you know i kind of when i would drink i would drink a lot <laughs> you know i i would just not stop until i physically couldn't drink anymore or they just cut the liquors off somehow. And even if they did that, I'd find a way to find some liquor. You know what I mean? So I just, I, it'd be hard for me to just take a couple drinks.
1: Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, which is brought to you by Sound Talent Media and Evergreen Podcasts, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians, to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope you've been having a glorious week so far we are approaching the end of vox and hops sober february 2022 that is presented by pitch black north the satanic tea company if you do not know who pitch black north is let me tell you a little bit about them right now their slogan is sin now steep forever every sip is blasphemy all of their products are ethically sourced expertly crafted and are only made in small batches they make specialty tea but they also make coffee as well. One of my favorite products of theirs is the Devil's Blood English Breakfast. It's a devilishly delicious brew for those who enjoy a strong, simple tea great on its own or with a splash of your preferred milk product you can head on over to their website pitchblacknorth.com that's p-i-t-c-h-b-l-a-c-k-n-o-r-t-h dot com and when you're checking out after picking up some amazing satanic teas make sure to use the promo code voxhops15 that's v-o-x-h-o-p-s-1-5 because then you'll save 15% off of your entire purchase not only will you be getting a bunch of sinfully delicious teas and coffees, but you will also be supporting the podcast, and that is something that I would truly appreciate. I'm super stoked to have Pitch Black North as the presenting sponsor of Vox and Hops, sober February 2022. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I would just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I'm asking you to tell a friend about the podcast. If there's someone in your life that just loves metal, well, tell them that the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast exists. You could tell them that there are over 300 episodes for them to go back and discover where I have conversations with some of the world's best metal musicians. If you were to encourage one of your friends to become a future Vox and Hops head, that would be something that I would would truly appreciate now today on the podcast i'm with john jarvis of scour agoraphobic nosebleed all will fall china girl fulgora colton wong city nest and a few more projects get ready everyone this is vox and hops episode number 326
2: i warn you what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed
1: Hey, what's up everyone? Today I'm with John Jarvis of Scour, agoraphobic, nosebleed, nest, China Girl, Fulgora, All With All, The Booze Hounds, Colton Wong, City, Strong Intention, and Clenched Fist. He also runs Jarvis Booking and Management. John, how you doing? Great. Thanks for having me, man. Very, very stoked to be with you. Um, We met... I feel like the first time we met was at uh, Hellfest. I think it was in 2017 when Cryptopsy was doing the Nun So Vile uh, run. I think you were there with Scour. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um Yeah, that makes sense. Let's jump into uh, the thick of things. I like to start off with a shitty question so we can have fun afterwards. Uh, The classic opening question that any person that conducts any interview has been asking throughout the past two years. uh, How have you been coping with the glorious years of 2020, 2021, and hopefully not most of 2022?
0: Well, it's been tough, obviously, and uh, had to get back to a real job Uh recently. So I've been bartending. Really? This nice... uh, Italian restaurant so but it was the place I used to work 10 years ago before I moved out to Baltimore so I'm back to an old place I used to work at which is nice but uh yeah it sucks you know obviously not being able to travel over there to Hellfest fest and all those great festivals and it's just been a bummer man it has been hard to deal with but what can you do really you just got to kind of adapt and Try to roll with it. It's the only thing we can do. And it is a big
1: part of our identity being out there, not at home. Uh, I always enjoyed uh, the yin and yang of my life of being on tour and then missing being at home and then being at home and wanting to be on tour. And the first summer of uh, 2020 was nice to be at home because it was the first full summer with no festival tours. As much as I love doing festival tours, it's nice to have a summer where you have no obligations and you can hang out with your family and stuff. But I'm missing it a lot now to get out there to to see my my road friends uh, you know crew members i miss all these people
0: yeah it's a lot of and that's where you see them mm-hmm. you know and there's people that i remember at quebec death fest yes the last one they did or a couple maybe it was a two ago but there's this guy he's like hey i remember you from Hellfest. you were smoking weed out of an apple and <laughs> i was like i remember smoking <laughs> weed with you and you know it's like it's, all, it's the only place you see some of these crew guys you know and stage managers and you know, and they're all great people, of course.
1: Uh-huh. Oh, especially crew members. The very, very quickly do shitty people get weeded out, <laughs> right? Yeah, you know, you got to be a stand-up human to to be a reoccurring crew member for a, for a metal band because there's not that much money. And, yeah,
0: yeah, and something that large, you know, even even like the Maryland Death Fests, like mm. it's the same people every yeah. year because they're the ones that they know what's going on and they know they can handle the situations and they could trust these people you know Mm -hmm. even the same security got the same security guards every year and it you know and it's working out you know so i
1: love that good crew members are are the best and hard to come by and uh you got to be cool you got to be cool if you want to if you want to keep getting hired that's for damn sure uh let's jump into what we're sipping on right now this is a vox and hops sober february 2022 episode and uh I have a very cool friend of mine that sent you something that we could enjoy yes. together. So so what what are you sipping on right there?
0: This is the Cryptopsy None So Vile. And this is spelled N-U-N. Mm-hmm. And you can see there's a million yes. on the... Uh, and she looks pretty vile. <laughs> She's holding some hops, it looks like. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's delicious. Lavender... Hell yes. Pitch Black North uh, makes the most
1: sinful tea out there uh, from Calgary, Alberta. Uh, Love these guys. I love their socials. uh, Just creepy and pushing the envelope all the time. I love it. Uh, Teamed up with them back in the fall of 2021 to create uh, this tea. But we also created a beer with a brewery from Calgary as well called New Level Brewing. And they put this tea in in the frickin' beer so that was super fucking cool we called that nunsovile as well uh that probably will come back it seems to be uh, some interest there so i'm stoked about that uh this is awesome yeah so it's a black tea with lavender and hops in it which of course for me is important and i love that so uh, massive cheers to dominic and pitch black north for hooking us up with these uh let's and the the artwork is done by tarmouth i really it was a cool uh it's a little bit less blasphemous than my original idea, but it's, it makes more sense with the Nunsell Vile <laughs> reimagining of the, uh, the, the the cover art of Nunsell Vile. Instead of it, the head of John, it's a, a big plate full of hops. It's perfect for dogs and Hops. I love it. Let's uh, jump into the soundtrack of your youth. When you are growing up in your parents' or guardian's house, what music was playing? When you were not in control of the music, what music did your parents or guardians listen to? Beatles. Hmm.
0: Beatles, Electric Lago Orchestra, uh, Nielsen, a lot, you know. But most considered classic rock, you know. And there's a lot of KC95, which is a local radio station that's still going today. Really? And they play, you know, the Aerosmith and, you know, just all the ACDC and Tom Petty. It's just, you know, the, that's the type of stuff in the 80s. And there's really a lot of MTV growing oh. up, too, for me. So I was pretty lucky.
1: That's super sick that I, I didn't have cable, but I was babysat at someone's house that did have cable. And Tom Petty, is the reason that I wanted to grow up my hair. Wow. Yeah. That <laughs> well, yeah, his
0: videos were yeah. killer, man. Yeah.
1: They were all really cool. I think it was the Alice in Wonderland. I think it was like the Mad Hatter in it, if I remember Don't correctly. come around here no more, I believe. And, and the, he had like shoulder length hair, and I was like, I want to have long hair like him. Why? I don't know why, but it, it resonated with me. <laughs> yeah. When I was a young boy. Yeah.
0: That was good stuff. Yeah, the album before that, I think is when I really got into him. I had the Damn the Torpedoes album hmm. on vinyl. That was one of the first cool. records I ever like, purchased myself like like i have to have this
1: really and you had a record player that was yours or were you, you shared the family machine
0: my dad had a still he handed it down to me hmm. a giant record collection and so when i grew up i was listening to all this Beatles records and you know and i would just kind of go by the album artwork like most kids do like this one looks cool i want to play it and yeah he handed it all down to me and but then at one point I was like, Hey, I need to get Michael Jackson's thriller. I was like four, three, four, you know, or five. I was like, gotta have it. And I got the single, got the whole record and, you know, got the Tom Petty. And- Could you imagine
1: being Michael back in the day? Let's, let's admit the fact that all the horrible things that happened with him in his life there. Uh, but uh, let's think about him pitching that idea to do that thriller video and how audacious that was, you know, and, and, and innovative compared to what oh, yeah. everyone else was doing at the time to know at that moment that this would be so important in the future of music yeah
0: and it really was at the time if mm-hmm. you remember it it was like 17 was minutes big deal. long or something yeah it was a huge as a film basically and they would say it's coming on tonight at eight o'clock like saturday night really and we would all get together and i would remember being scared to death like this scared <laughs> the shit out of me you know and like he admired Michael Jackson, a werewolf, like, this is, this is, you know, <laughs> but yeah, I remember being scared and they're like, we're going to watch it again tomorrow night. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to watch it again. I was scary, <laughs> you know, but it's, you know, I was four years old, mm. but, that's what draws us in. But yeah, it was a big deal. It was a big deal back then, man.
1: It's like metal to being afraid of it and then being drawn closer towards it. Um, Back to the Beatles, do you agree with me? I really think that Helter Skelter was probably one of the first extreme songs to be written.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to, and I think that was a McCartney one. Uh-huh. And yeah, they, you know, if, if you ask Black Sabbath, mm. who, who's your favorite band, what influenced you? They're going to they're gonna tell you it was the Beatles. Amazing. And so every, everyone that's in the metal, you know, they usually say, you know, Black Sabbath's who influenced me. So you got to ask them and then you ask the Beatles who influenced you and they, you know, they'll tell you Chuck Berry and
2: mm-hmm.
0: a lot of the rock and roll that came from where I live in St. Louis. Huh. So it's kind of very interesting, rock, rock and roll kind of started here in my area. It came from the blues from South of here and they would come up to go to Chicago and they mixed with like these piano players in this area. Obviously Chuck Berry was one of the originators but yeah, it all really started here in the St. Louis area.
1: Did that give you the notion, the idea? Um, did you feel like it would be possible for you to make it because of that?
0: No, the first time I thought of that was when I saw Hum on MTV. Do you know the band Hum? The, by don't name, you know? but I,
1: I don't think I, I know it honestly. Yeah.
0: Hum, they had a big hit called Stars, and it was, I'm sure you've heard it once you hear it. And, uh, but anyway, they were a big deal in the area. They were from uh, Champaign, Illinois. Okay. And which is, wasn't far away. And he kind of had a nerdy look. And I'm like, I remember being like eight or nine or whatever it was when I first saw him on MTV and said, Hey, if this guy can get on MTV, I can someday. You know what I mean? That's pretty much what I said. And i've i've been on there you know i've done an interview (laughs) with them and so it worked but yeah but that band rules they just put out a record uh two years ago oh i did listen to that yes i remember now
1: yes it's like their first record in 20 years i think andrew garrity was talking about it makes sense yeah i think i think if i'm correct on that shout out to great great record three-time vox and hops alumni andrew garrity um Um, what about your first shows? Do you remember your first live music experience? The first show that you went to go see?
0: Yeah. Uh, well, the first show I was at, well, really were like bar shows with my uncle's band. But first real one was Ricky Skaggs. He, you know, Ricky Skaggs nope, is country, nope. country guitar player, amazing guitar player. Now he's playing in the Eagles. I think he kind of really? took uh, Glenn Fry's kind of spot in the Eagles. But he's, uh, he was playing at Six Flags. You know, and okay. we're just kids. And that was my first like real It's like, wow, this is a big deal. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people watch, you know what I mean? And look at all this equipment. And, but really it was my uncle's band growing up and that's Adam's father. Right. He played in a country rock band called Boulder dash. Okay. And they played all the like festivals and like the, the homecomings we called them like a town fair basically. And we would be like the roadies. And when they'd have hmm. band practice, they would take, we would, you know, be watching during grand practice, and they'd take breaks to go out and smoke or whatever, and we would, that's when we'd jump on the drums huh. and the guitars. So that was the first times we ever picked up instruments. So we when we were very, very young, we would play on all of his instruments. They had like a jam room. It was really cool.
1: Very sick. Uh, you beat Adam to becoming a Vox and Ops alumni. Uh, we, we had something set up, and it just never panned out uh, back in 2019, so it will happen eventually yeah yeah Yeah. get him on there (laughs) he's a big beer nerd so it's it's bound to happen
0: (laughs) yeah that's super sick yeah he's gonna say yeah we drink a lot we used to drink uh we used to get beer delivered to our apartment so (laughs) they would show up at like a semi-truck wow okay with (laughs) cases of three floyd's beer sick on pallets and they just drop the pallet drop all the beer be like taken off and just insane amounts of free beer. Is that because of
1: the collabs that came out with Three Floyds for Pig Destroyer? Yeah. yeah.
0: That was back then. Yeah. Mm. So they, part of the deal is, I think every time they brewed it, they would have to ship us each a case. It's amazing. And, some, and sometimes they'd forget and be like, oh, no, we owe you like 20 cases, you know.
1: <laughs> Three Floyds rules, uh, Todd and Chris, awesome humans.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great <laughs> beer. Maybe the best I've ever drank.
1: Mm. Uh, let's dance into your first show your first experience on stage do you remember your first show uh was it with adam from the jam room to to the stage what 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 steps happens been between there
0: well we had a few different bands and we were writing our own material about freshman year high school sophomore year and i had a band called thick Uh. and I saw it was on a an access cable access channel. It was like channel three and it had this ad. They were looking for musicians to play the, the 4th of July picnic. And this was 1997. So I went to the meeting. I told them my name and they were like, you mean like Paul Jarvis? So they're my uncle. They yeah. were very familiar <laughs> with my uncle's groups. And I'm like, yeah, that's my uncle, you know? And they're like, well, Well, word and when do you want to play? I was like, we'll play last because we're kind of a heavy metal band and we're all original. And these people, you know, the people at this fair are not going (laughs) to know us. You know, it's going to be it's going to be a disaster. We're going to headline.
1: Just just make us headline,
0: right? And they they let us headline. (laughs) Amazing. So, and they had this whole thing, and they said, "Well, I could do." They asked me if I could play the national anthem on guitar, like Jimi Hendrix. And at the end, they would start the fireworks display. And I was like, cool idea. And they did it. And it worked out. And it was a really good show. And there was a big, big mosh pit. There were 8,000 people in this place for our first show. So it was huge. But we had about 50 people in front of the stage with big mosh pits. Because these were all kids we knew from high school. Mm -hmm. So my grandma was watching the show and she thought it was a riot oh no she didn't realize that this was these people enjoyed this is a consensual dance right and at the end of the show i went and said, what'd you think grandma she's like i'm so sorry i'm sorry they ruined your concert you know and i'm like no 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 it was they loved it that means they enjoyed the concert she didn't understand
1: It's amazing. It was that's that's a high way to start, though. You know, fireworks, yeah, eight thousand people, fifty kid mosh pit. You, you probably went, you probably went back to school after that, and you were the kings.
0: Well, yeah, they, everyone was like, "You got." those rumors that we signed a record deal. Uh, I remember my mom calling me and saying, "Why didn't you tell me you signed a record deal?" I'm like. <laughs> mom you're gonna be the first to know i have not signed, you know and when i when i did finally sign one i called her first to say hey that's like i said now now i've signed a record deal Amazing. You know? but, but yeah that wasn't even the whole story there, there was actually we halfway through the set they stop us because there's a ufo sighting no the police <laughs> of multiple cities have called in because there's lasers shooting out of the sky and this like, and you could look it up online. There's all kinds of reports about it because it wasn't just a bunch of people that saw it. It was actual police officers calling it in like, Hey, and then my dad and sister said they saw it also. Wow. So that's when I was like, wow, is this real? But the true story is they stop the set and they, some lady gets on stage and starts talking about ice cream, a sale for ice cream, <laughs> just like on South park. Do you know how they always do that on South Park? But this was before South Park was even a thing. Wow. And I just remember being like, this is weird. (laughs) Like, why is she? Why are we stopping? Why is she talking about ice cream? And then she's like, all right, go back to the set. And we just went back to playing. (laughs) And that's apparently when a UFO came down. Wow.
1: See, You guys are so damn popular. Even the aliens wanted to see you. Right. First show. <laughs> Pretty well, crazy. That's, that's, you know, starting at the top, but it can only get worse from there. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's went downhill ever since. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, this is a sober February episode. So I'd love to talk about your sobriety. You, you mentioned to me that you, you've been sober qu- quite a number of years. Uh, what does sobriety mean to
0: you? Well, just being able to, you know, handle myself daily without, you know, I still smoke weed every day so I'm not 100% sober, uh-huh. you know. But the the not drinking for it's been 4 years now and that's really it just it's something I had to just come to terms with that like I can't handle the hangovers anymore and it's really the uh that's how I felt the next day, you know, and it, it everything's kind of revolved around drinking for a while. Uh-huh. That's kind of like so you know even going to concerts and like it was like all right, so if I'm going to concert Friday, I know I'm going to get trashed Saturday's at time. the concert. Saturday, cancel all plans. Uh-huh. So that's kind of how my life went for a while. And it's nice to just now just I don't have to block the next day off because uh-huh. I know, like, for example, tonight I'm going to the Royal Rumble, the WWE uh, pay-per-view thing tonight. Sick. And honestly, ten years ago, I went to the same thing, and I would probably already start drinking right about now because I'm I'd, I'd time to pregame, yep. and yeah, you got to get nice and have a good. But and I, I miss doing that. It, it was such a good time, but I don't miss the hangovers, you know. And I kind of always took everything a little too far. I think, you know, I kind of when I would drink, I would drink a lot. Hmm. <laughs> you know, I I would be I would just not stop until. I physically couldn't drink anymore or they just cut the liquors off somehow. And even if they did that, I'd find a way to find some uh. liquor. You know what I mean? So I just, I, it'd be hard for me to just take a couple drinks. You know what I mean? And just uh, some people can do that. And I know, you know, I, my mom's been drinking for years. She seems to be doing all right. I know a guy that's 90 years old, you know, that drinks a Manhattan every day. And that's just, he goes to the bar where I work. It has a Manhattan. And I'm just like, wow, how do you do it? They just, one, he's like, I just do one. I'm like, well, I, that's, I can't do that. Opening the the floodgates. It really does. And it would like, we'd have band practice on like Sundays and it always, we'd always drink and practice because it was just part of it, you know, but after practice, I'd be like, I'd have that itch. Like I've already had a couple drinks. Now it's time to party. You know, uh-huh. and I have, and when, like I said, there's, I always had free liquor available at all times. It seems because, uh, you know, like I said, they would ship it to us for free all the time. Yes. When I was living in, uh, I had a nice bar, you know, at my house and it was pretty much always available. So, you know, if you got nothing to do tomorrow and I would, you know, have a couple of cocktails, but it's, it always keeps going. And I, yeah, that was really my problem. I, I just drink too much. And, uh, since I've been sober, it's, it's I just feel obviously feel better every day, but, uh, save a lot of money. Uh, there's a lot of pros and cons. I, I, I do miss the, you know, camaraderie going out and drinking with the boys, but, uh, you know, I'll grab a bud zero uh-huh. and I'll have my, uh, vaporizer. I'll get high in the corner. And no, <laughs> as to see that, you know, <laughs> That's really what's helped me is smoking weed. That um, did you increase? Because
1: o- often we, we replace one vice with another. Sometimes some people tend if if they get sober they tend to like put on a little weight. Some people or they become obsessed with working out uh, because alcoholism. If you take away the alcohol, the ism still stays. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I kind of yo-yoed. You're familiar, uh. like so. Like <laughs> when I quit drinking, I lost a bunch of weight. Okay, massive calorie intake. Right. So like I had even Phil was like, you're, you're looking skinny. Don't get any skinnier. And I went to Christmas to my mom's, my mom's told my mom's like, you look skinny. Like what's, are you okay? And I'm like, I quit drinking. I feel great. <laughs> and then I go to my dad's Christmas, same day. He says the same thing. I'm like, there's something, must be something wrong. I like, cause I feel great. Huh. It's, I just lost a lot of weight really fast from not drinking, I guess. And then, you know, uh, from hearing all this, I'm losing weight. I'm like, well, I better start eating some double cheeseburgers, (laughs) some bacon on it or some shit, you know? So I kind of got bigger
2: Hmm.
0: and now I'm starting to get back on the bike and trying to trim down a little bit. But yeah, so I've went like up and down since I quit drinking.
1: Hmm. But um, uh, your identity as a drinker, like obviously I'm people know me because i i'm the craft beer guy basically so so if eventually i became sober and i go out in the world again people are still going to have that association did people have association with you i'm going to see john tonight he's coming through on tour we're going to party and then you show up and you're like oh no i don't party i still party but
0: i don't party like that anymore right yeah oh it's happened and like we played a festival last year the full Terror assault Mm -hmm. And I've played that like almost every year with a different band. Like Strong Intention played one year. Fulgora played one year. uh, Clinch Fist played one year. And uh, my new band Nest played last year. And a lot of people there, and that's where it's like, there's seriously no security and it's bring your own beer. So I would bring a bar with me basically. (laughs) And throughout throughout (laughs) the weekend, I'd just drink nonstop and Mm. just have a blast. And there's plenty of people out there doing the same, so there's no shortage of liquor. And so I've never turned down so many free beers and shots. And like, sorry guys, like, and, and everyone's cool about it. No mm-hmm. one's like, oh man. There's been a couple people who are like, sober Jarvis sucks, <laughs> man. Like, that was Corpse Grinder said that to me one night. You know, <laughs> sober Jarvis sucks. You know, he's giving me shit. George, but...
1: George has been on the podcast twice, and he, he always talks about how he's another one that can't stop once he starts. He'll be the last one to right. go to bed, and uh, he, he spoke at length about that when he was on the podcast last year.
0: Well, it's true. I I was lucky enough to be on tour with him for a little while, and it was like a full month of me and him, and I swear, I tried to outdrink drink him every night, and out of that whole tour, only one night did I make it. Past, he fell asleep, and I was like, <laughs> I did
1: it! <laughs> How drink course grinder
0: it was not easy he could be he i see him go for days, and i'm wow. not exaggerating okay. days but it, it was because he was, he was kind of bummed out that he couldn't be with his family it was like yep. a thanksgiving yep and he missed his family and he's like well i'm just gonna sit here by myself and drink and uh. but hey we had fun doing it that's for sure um how about
1: bartending you're bartending now. How is your relationship with that? Are you okay being around alcohol, making drinks for other people? You obviously must be because you're doing it. But how, right,
0: you- yeah, it's it's kind of difficult because there's times where I'm making like I'll make like a Negroni or it's where I'm working at. It's a really fancy like people are ordering Manhattans and mm-hmm. Old Fashions and drinking wine, expensive wines and stuff. So it ain't beers and shots like you know I would normally drink. But there's sometimes I'll make a drink and I'm like, whoo, I would kind of like to try that. That looks delicious." <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh yeah, so and it's it's another example where it's a free uh-huh. and right there I could drink. And every the owners and the managers are all really cool. They wouldn't mind if I had a drink here and there. But I drink the Bud Zeros they got. 0.0%. They uh-huh. kind of, you know, after the shift, everyone's having a their after dinner drink or after shift drink. I have a Bud Zero with them. It kind of helps you fit in, but yeah, it's 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 been easy for me because I guess at this, it's been four years now. It's just like i am just kind of over it, and I'm so, I'm 42, man. I'm old. I drank for 20 <laughs> years, you know. So you've done it all, yeah. <laughs> I right, right. But there's, there's there's still new drinks and shit. Like there's there's thing called the Moscow Mule, and like eight years ago, when I was bartending back then I didn't know what I'd never heard of a Moscow mule with mm. you know what is that apparently it's like vodka with ginger beer I don't know what I didn't know what it was and they're like well it just became popular a few years ago
1: huh.
0: I was like well it makes sense I haven't drank for four years that's why I've never heard of it you know
1: <laughs> how about performing going from someone that would be the party dude and then performing
0: inebriated and then that first show sober, well, very strange because usually we'd have a, almost a bar set up. You know, oh. we'd have a couple drinks beforehand, and I mean, at the Hellfest, uh-huh. I shit, I remember when we played with the Gorephobic Nosebleed at Hellfest. I just walked out with an actual fifth of whiskey. And we <laughs> I was just drinking straight whiskey, <laughs> but and it was like noon, yeah. you know. <laughs> so yeah, it's. And I've had so many shows like, where I was almost falling over from uh, just being wasted. But like I said before, like we do it at practice. So we drink at practice. It's kind of like part of the whole gig. Uh, and when I quit drinking at first, it was very strange at band practice because everyone's kind of like whatever like john quit drinking and i didn't try to make a big deal about it you know no, no. like guys i'm quitting drinking and blah, blah you blah. can't drink either because i don't need the temptation right it was just more like no thanks i'm cool i don't know i don't want a beer today thanks thanks but no thanks uh-huh. so i didn't try to make a big deal about it but yeah the first show was just kind of like when you get those pre-show jitters or nerves uh-huh. it's easy to just have a quick shot and then it kind of get you know and yeah when when you don't have that it's it is a little different and i'm not gonna say it was easy it wasn't but it's uh because it's once like like once again it's just part of the scene man like it's uh when you watch the like vulgar videos Uh growing up it's just Uh everyone's just drinking like crazy and i remember being a kid and we'd party and watch that we'd be like that's the life that's, that's what we have to what do we want to do and that's it right.
1: there's no other option. right <laughs> yeah but nowadays with you know people like yourself um james Hatfield, let's say uh a lot of prominent metal musicians are very open about their sobriety now whereas back in the 90s or late 80s, early 90s, it was more secretive and people really promoted excess as a part of the lifestyle of being an extreme metal person. Whereas now there's like a whole bunch of sober artists to provide a positive role model or to provide a a balanced role model of, you know, you can be excess, but you can also be extreme, but sober at the same time for younger musicians that are growing up now.
0: Right. I agree. And I think, even for other like sports uh-huh. related, yeah. like you could even say like uh for for example the thing i'm going to tonight the wrestling uh-huh. the wrestlers back in the 80s and 90s they were drinking and you know doing cocaine oh, out yeah. of their minds you know you could just look at some of the old footage <laughs> they're fucking looking crazy <laughs> but apparently none of them drink today they're back there just playing nintendo game or their you know whatever xbox uh-huh. and they just don't drink they you know it's just not part of the scene anymore for them. But uh, yeah, it, it really, it doesn't bother me. Luckily, like I actually used to smoke cigarettes a lot and uh, I got hypnotized to quit smoking cigarettes. Really, And it worked. Interesting. And it doesn't bother me. People smoke around me. I, it, it doesn't trigger me to smoke anymore. And it's all, it, all in your head. It's all in your subconscious, really very interesting it's it's trippy yeah they kind of mellow you out and like they ever ask you some weird questions and kind of get into the back of your head and next thing you know and you wake up and you're just kind of like whoa
1: and you just don't even need to smoke anymore
0: never and i went straight to a a bar right after that just to kind of test it and the barn was just like why aren't you smoking i'm like i just got (laughs) hypnotized to quit you know (laughs) it's unbelievable (laughs) and uh I didn't think it would work. It was kind of, I was uh-huh. kind of uh, tempted to do it just to prove someone wrong because they were like, they quit smoking immediately. like, that don't work. And people <laughs> get hypnotized, you know? And I was wrong because it, it worked a very metalhead thing to do
1: (laughs) to try it over yourself and be like that's not gonna fucking work and it did that's a good thing that's a good thing (laughs) how about advice for people that you know if someone's listening to this right now that is also someone that once they start they can't stop um they hate their hangovers uh what advice would you give them what advice do you think
0: you needed to hear well that's a tough one because i'm no expert on any of it Mm -hmm. but it's uh Try to stay hydrated all the time. When you're out, when you go out, get a water in a in a like plastic cup or a solo cup or whatever they got. So it feels like you got a drink. Uh Because you, if you're just standing there with nothing, you kind of feel awkward. Because you usually, you know, you got that beer. You kind of got your stance with your beer. You're holding your drink. You're watching the show, unless you're like like that. You know what I mean? (laughs) But yeah, just try to find a. I do, I do bud zero Uh because it's no alcohol in it. Find a 0.0% beer that way. When everyone else is drinking, you don't feel out of place, but really it's, it's really about, you know, your own health, you know, who cares what anyone else thinks about you quitting drinking, you know, it's like, it's worked for me. It's made me feel better. I've saved plenty of money along the way. And, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you don't got to block off the next day for a hangover anymore. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's so many pros to not drinking, you know, the, the driving, is another thing. Like, oh yeah. Don't even that's, that was, that like, was resonating when you were
1: talking about going to band practice, everyone's drinking. I was like, how are you getting home safely?
0: <laughs> that's the thing that we're risking, we're not being smart, mm-hmm. you know? And even if it's, you know, a couple blocks, you shouldn't obviously no, drink and no. drive. It's a terrible idea. But after a couple, after, after a couple hours of drinking, if you're only drinking a couple, you tell you say to yourself, "Well, one an hour is okay," you know. But I'm not drinking Bud Light at band practice. We're no. drinking the the twelve percent, you know, whatever. Was a per- permanent funeral. Is that what? Right? We had that. Yeah. Oh, such a good beer, man. I <laughs> think I miss that type of beer because uh-huh. it was tastes so good. Massive IPA. And I drank two bottles of it once which is not recommended yep (laughs) and uh the room was spinning like i was 16 years old again i was like this is not right i mean you think i'm got alcohol poisoning Mm -hmm. or something but yeah you don't want to drink too much of that stuff
1: (laughs) how about um being in the booze hounds yet you're sober. right (laughs) and i give people a a little preface as to who the booze hounds are uh, i discovered the booze hounds when i went on tour uh, with derek uh he's the main dude behind that uh, and he was playing in unmerciful back in the day it was actually my first european tour and uh we had a lot of beer one night in belgium i believe it was and we all started singing a booze hound song and there's a video of it somewhere on the internet but uh, the lyrics are quite profane so i'm not going to talk about them right now and they're not acceptable in a social context anymore but uh, it was lots of fun so so booze hounds how do you feel being sober in the booze hounds
0: well it's going to be difficult at our first show of course because Mm -hmm. there's just beer Mm -hmm. flowing everywhere and so yeah i'm going to have to like get a case of two bud zero because really what we used to do is bring a 30 pack each member onto (laughs) the stage and it became like a war show and said, you know, we're not, we're shooting beer everywhere and we're having drinking contests on stage and, the last time we, we were trying to bring back the pie in the face. You ever see someone yep. take a pie yeah. to the face? You know, it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> and so we're, we're jamming. We're doing it, and this guy comes up during the song and he's like, are you John Jarvis? I said, yeah. He's like, well, nice to meet you. And next thing you know, he's pie, pie in the, the face. face. <laughs> the guy gets a pie right in the face. And it was just, I was like, this is the greatest band. And we did so many stupid things. Like we ordered a pizza once. I think it was the same show. We started the show with a drummer. Calling the pizza place saying, you know, <laughs> can you deliver it to the stage, please? <laughs> and about halfway through the set, sure enough, the pizza guy comes on stage <laughs> with our pizza and we start, you know, having a slice of pizza and we give the guy a beer and he takes the beer and leaves. The delivery guy leaves with a beer. It was great. <laughs> but yeah, the, the Booze Hounds, we did the 99 bottles. It was I, sick. Think you were on, you I were was a part on, of that, right? Yeah. Yep. It was super sick. Right. So yeah, we came up with that idea. Years and years ago,
1: I remember I remember Derek writing me meant like probably in twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen asking me to do it then,
0: yeah right, and then, yeah, we compli- compiled a lot of tracks and then kind of we just got real busy for a while, mm-hmm. and then we're just like, we're not going to be able to put this together. this is too big of a night it's too crazy, mm-hmm. you know, getting a hundred different people on the same song, and then right when we we're bored during the pandemic, we we're like let's let's just knock that out, you know? Everyone else is bored like us, so yeah. it's the perfect time. And yeah, you were on it. We had so many cool people on that thing. Uh-huh. But yeah, it would be nice. We thought about doing a show where we actually play the 99, you know? <laughs> yeah. See how long that lasts. <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be strange because the whole show is revolved around drinking. Every song's about drinking. Uh-huh. And uh <laughs> I usually end up doused with beers, you know, my, usually my guitar, and it's just ruined by the end of the show. But it's always fun. It's going to be difficult once we get back on stage, though. Cause yeah, <laughs> we have one. to tell the guys, hey, don't pour it in, don't pour any beers in my <laughs> mouth, please.
1: Pour, pour, pour the non alcoholic ones in my mouth, and that's about it. Yeah.
0: Right. that allowed. yeah. I could do that. So. Interesting.
1: Um, let's talk about balance. You are in many, 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 many projects. How do you find balance in a way to do that, to, to, be creative in so many projects all at once? Uh, how do you find, you know, this riff, this idea works with this band. How do you
0: stay fresh? Right? Yeah. It's, you try to not make them all sound the same. I mm-hmm. think it's the, the way I try to do it. Like when I started nest, I was like, well, this, just got to sound different than everything. It can't sound like Scour. I don't, uh-huh. you know, I don't. I, at first, I didn't even want blast beats because most of my bands have blast beats. But now, since, I've, since then, I've wrote some songs with blast beats. But it's really just <clears throat> there's so many different types of metal, you know, uh-huh. as you know. So I don't love every black metal band and I don't love every hardcore band and I don't love every grindcore band but I try to take my favorite parts of each, you know, there's parts of death metal. i love, of course, almost every part of death metal I love, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's best to, when I like, I think Fulgore Gore is a good example of, we just try to take our favorite parts of this genre and favorite parts of this genre and kind of mix it all together, you know, but it's of course, my opinion. What's my favorite part of, you know, So I just try to keep it different because that makes it, you know, more interesting. And how do you time wise,
1: how do you do it all? How do? what is your tactic for that?
0: I've been lucky because most of my bands don't tour. It's Mm -hmm. just mostly uh, weekend festival stuff, fly in for the weekend, go home. And obviously that's takes a lot of bands years to uh absolutely get to that level to where so I've been really lucky that Uh I've been, you know, Scour kinda when we started Scour, we were like, hopefully in five years we could do like Hellfest and all this stuff. Let's like build it up and honestly we're still building Scour. You know, we haven't even put out our first full length, you you know. So When we got the offer for Hellfest, we're like, holy shit, that was fast. Like, Uh we weren't expecting it to happen that quickly. So, you know, I understand I've been really lucky to be able to do that type of stuff. But when you're not touring constantly, it really gives you time to mix it up. You know, I recorded over the last month a couple of different projects and I'm about to start another one like today and tomorrow for Amazing. strong intention. So it's like if there's more than one thing going on at once, which is rarely happening, it usually seems to just work out luckily. Like, you know, it, but when for example, something like scour, say we want to get together in like July or something. I got to call up Adam. I got to call up Mark. We got to see if down's doing shows. Exactly. We got to see if the illegals are doing yeah. shows is Misery Index playing? Because, you know, it, there's so many questions that got to be answered, you know. So it luckily with technology these days, you got the Google Maps and you got, you know, the event pages. And so sometimes I don't even need to ask. I could just Check go the to the Misery Index yeah. website to see <laughs> their events. And be like, well, I guess Scour can't do anything around those dates." You know what I mean? Uh, and we never be pushy about it, you know, because everyone's got their own. Projects, you know, mm-hmm. so we don't, we're not jerks. We're like Scour is doing this, so you must cancel everything. You know, it's never like that. We always want to work it out.
1: Do you want to keep those musicians? Say like Misery Index was doing something. Would would it ever be like? A, oh, well, Scour got offered to do this. We'll replace a member for this tour. Is that because Cryptopsy Cryptops is doing that now with ollie Yeah, because he's in Cattle Decapitation
0: now. Right. So that's never been an issue for us. Luckily. And if it came to it, we'd probably just say, turn it down. Okay. It's this crew or this is sour. Right. That's pretty much the way I I look at it. Um, I mean, unless the band member said, hey, I'm sick, find a replacement yeah. fast. And yeah. I would do that. Like if I was sick or something and or if I couldn't do a show, obviously I'd be like, I'm going to get someone ready for to replace me. And I'll do whatever it takes to help so the show can go on. That's the way I would look at it but uh yeah i mean it's kind of difficult these days because there's so many there's rule, so many different rules everywhere you know you, everyone's got to kind of be on the same page uh-huh. in bands these days and i've seen a lot lately that are there's band members leaving mysteriously out of these bands and it's like i wonder what's going on
1: exactly with especially in these modern times with the divisive state of of opinions yeah. <laughs>
0: Right. You know, that's all i to say about that. <laughs> right. Yeah. We can get into a deep conversation if you want, but let's not Not no, about no, no. that. Fox
1: and hops dances on, uh, on the, we're not going to talk about that line. Uh, I am, I'm sure you've spoken about it, but scour when you were a kid watching MTV back in the day, did you ever imagine you'd be in a band with Phil Anselmo?
0: No, but I did have a premonition at a Pantera show once. Really? And he actually called me out of the crowd when I was a kid. I was like in the 10th row and he's like, you right there. He's like, look around you. That's your family now. And I remember everyone was looking at me and they're like, holy shit, they're talking to you. <laughs> and everyone was like handing me bears and joints and like, I was just like, this is crazy. I can't believe the singer Pantera has called me out. Mm. And then the, like the next time I saw him, he said something again and I was like, "That is this mm. guy reading my mind or something? <laughs> it was very strange. And I was just kind of like, I almost feel like I'm going to know this guy someday as I hmm. was like, I had the premonition, like it was very strange, but no, I never really thought obviously that wouldn't make much sense. You know, I'm watching Pantera and these guys are gods. They were gods to me, man. Oh, yeah. Like there was Pantera before Pantera it was Metallica and like guns and roses. In the late eighties, like Motley crew was really big for me. And then, you know, you, you listen to Slayer and stuff, but then, when Pantera, like when Vulgar came out, I'd already like kind of knew about the hype. But then you go back and listen to Cowboys and you're just like, man, this band, this is the next Metallica. This is the next big metal band. Who's going to be, who's going to top Pantera. I remember what I was telling my friends, like, this is it. Who's top this. Uh And then, you know, when, you know, far beyond driven comes out and it's number one on the charts. It's like, I told you so, (laughs) you know, these guys are shit, but you know, that was a whole different world back then, you know.
1: Uh, uh, when, when Scour was being built, was it in, like we're doing this with Phil or did Phil jump on after?
0: Well, with the ideas we had, uh, Derek and I were on uh-huh. tour and we were in San Francisco. We were with Chase yeah. uh, Fraser, the yeah. original yeah. Yeah, yeah. guitar player. And we had known him for years. Yeah, bro. <laughs> so we'd known Chase for years. From touring with, you know, he was in decrepit uh, birth when Absolutely. I first met him, I think. Yeah, me too. for Animosity, actually, when I first met him. But we're sitting in a bar with him and we're like thinking about, let's start this band. Chase, you want to be in a band? He's like, yeah, yeah. And we're like, who can we get in this band to be the frontman? Who's the, who do we know that's like, we need, we need a big name, you know, mm-hmm. if we're going to have. And I was like, what about Phil and whatever they both look like? do you think he would do it? You know, kind of like, <laughs> yeah. like, let me handle this. I'm going to send him some tracks. What's it going to hurt? You know, what worse can happen is that he says no and we find someone else. So we never had even a second guy thought of. It's amazing. We're, we were like, let's ask Phil and see what happens. And he replied almost immediately said, I could kill this.
1: Mm-hmm. I was so happy when it was announced. Cause it's probably like the most extreme thing that he's done in a long time.
0: Right. Yeah. And it show, goes to show that you can reinvent yourself, you know, like, cause he's really, he's done similar stuff in the past, you know, but like you said, it compared to like, you know, down or anything else. It's a whole different thing. You know, it's ripping blast beats and you know, it's it doesn't mess around.
1: Massive harsh vocals. It was great to hear him come back with, massive shape too
0: yeah yeah and at the time he was recording those he was he quit drinking Hmm. also and i kind of whipped him into shape you know physically like he he got healthier and he looks even today he looks better now than he did you know seven years ago Mm -hmm. when he was drinking there's no doubt about it Mm
1: -hmm. absolutely um i love collabs i make collabs with everything i put out 35 beer collabs in the past year um i won't ask you to make another beer collab but i am interested if you could make a john jarvis something something that you love um what would you do what would be a sick collab for you it could be anything
0: shoo like a baseball card like a tops that'd be sick set of baseball cards maybe with like metal remember they used to have like metal bands on collectible cards that'd be cool I'm that to back. yeah someone should do that and uh i don't know i'm a big baseball fan so anything baseball related you know. should
1: probably play a baseball game once dude yeah. <laughs> bring back that <laughs> that that yeah uh, like
0: celebrity softball game
1: yeah you know, something like that and bring back the 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 national anthem with the fireworks
0: right <laughs> great idea we'd have metallica do it uh, settle. <laughs>
1: and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to VoxandHops.com slash and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxenhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. Jarvis Booking and Management. Let's talk about that. When did you start this? Uh, why did you start this? Uh, talk to me about that, please.
0: I'd say about six years ago or so, I was going to my weed dealer's house back then, you yeah. couldn't yeah. get it at the dispensary. <laughs> so I had to go to my friend's house. And then we would always talk, he was in a band also, and he would always pick my mind on stuff. And I was always complaining about this or that, like my complaining about my manager, complaining about my booking agent. And he was like, one night, he's like, you know what? You know all this stuff. Why don't you do this yourself? He's like, it sounds like you know more than the people that you're paying. Mm-hmm. So, why aren't you doing it yourself and keeping the money? And I was kind of like, you know what? Whatever. I went home that night. I made a Facebook page. Really? And then the next day, I'm getting hit up by a lot of friends. Like, they're like, hey, we, you know, we, I remember you. I want to work with you. And, you know, still weekly, I'll get messages from bands and I just got to be like, hey, you know, sometimes I'm like, here, I charge a fee because it's like, I can't just work with everybody. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. if I worked, said yes to every band that messaged me, I wouldn't have time to do anything. I wouldn't be able to be in these other bands because it's really time consuming, you know. Because each band wants their own; they have their own ideas, separate what they want to do. And I try to, you know, do what they want. I don't, I don't blindly take a band and send them out to Maryland Death Fest and say, "Would you book this band?" The band says, "This is what we want to do." can you make this work? And I try to make it work, you Uh know? So it really just started from me just being upset with the people I was working with and then wanting to do it myself. Because there was a lot of times I was (laughs) ended up doing a lot of the work myself, you know, because when you're on the road, if you don't have a tour manager with you, Uh someone in the band's got to step up, you know, someone's got to get paid. Someone's got to make sure we got bottles of water, you know? Someone's got to make sure we're at set times or at the load in on time, you know, a lot of times it was just by default me having to do it, you know? And so that really came from touring with bands like misery index early on that guys like Sparky would be like teaching me along the way. He's like, I'm going to teach you how to be a tour manager. This is what a tour manager does. you got to go talk to that lady and say, tell her to pay you at the end of the night, you know? Don't let her run off, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. she, she might try. This happened. Yes. <laughs> it happens.
1: You might have but to drive yeah. her to the ATM.
0: <laughs> yeah, and he has done that. There's stories where they have, like, kidnapped promoters <laughs> and said, there's the ATM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're getting the money. Like,
1: no, you can't send me a transfer. Really.
0: <laughs> right. And there, the, the, back then, when they were first touring, like, they didn't have cell phones uh-huh. and like they would didn't have Google Maps or uh-huh. even MapQuest yes. you yeah, know. Yeah. They were like would drive to the city, find a pay phone, call the promoter and be like, "All right, we're at this pay phone by the Burger King." Wow. "Where do we go from here to get to the venue?" Like wow. that's what it kind of <sighs> had to be like back then. <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> Amazing. Um so so bands hit you up all the time uh you basically choose who you want to work with um is there an artist that you would love to work with to book to
0: manage um yes i've i've never really reached out to any bands and been like hey i want to book you uh-huh. but there's been there's some bands that are broke up that i wish would reunite uh-huh. that i've reached out to and they wouldn't really to so a lot of people, wouldn't be really be a big deal. But to me, it would, because these are some of my favorite bands. And sometimes they reply and they're like, you know what? We might do something. And if we do, we'll get back to you. And, but there's bands that I love, like uh, bands like Quicksand. Uh-huh. And, you know, I'd really like to get involved with bands like that and Glassjaw, you know, that are still touring. And just because just I'm just big fans of their music.
1: And then you could like, so you're reaching out to them, basically, like, I can, you guys reform and I'll get you booked in all these festivals, basically.
0: Right. Well, and yeah, and that's happened with, uh, do you remember Enemy Soil? The name sounds familiar, yeah. So Enemy Soil was the band before Agoraphobic. And okay. So Agoraphobic became came before Pig Destroyer. Mm-hmm. And then before Agoraphobic, I believe Rich was in, yeah, he was in Enemy Soil with JR mm-hmm. from Pig Destroyer. So they were enemy soil was one of the first grind bands in the yeah. area over there. So kind of had like a legendary cult following, you know, over the years and a few years back, they decided that we're going to reunite and they hit me up, you know, and like, see what we can get. So I got a few festivals for them where they were getting like some big money like Uh for them they said they never got paid anything in the past (laughs) so when I'm hitting them up with like five grand offers they're Uh like yes let's do it and then like the bass player like backed out Uh the next thing you know now I'm playing bass (laughs) in the band because I'm like the show must go on Uh we booked these killer shows and so I ended up playing bass in like four or five different fests with that band but it was just uh, yeah they reunited and then there were some other big the uh, festivals hitting them up trying to book, and they're like, "No, nah, we're done. We decided we're done."
1: So, which is smart too. Facts. And you can then they'll come back with bigger offers,
0: hypothetically, in the future years. Right? Yeah, because you know when you break up, that's the <laughs> second you know they want you to reunite, but it's gonna cost you. <laughs>
1: One last question. I typically wrap up with a hangover cure, but uh, we won't go there. I, I would like to hear what the silver lining of the pandemic has been for you. The best part of COVID.
0: Oh, shit. I guess uh, f- not feeling guilty about staying home a lot because I have a lot of like great entertainment at my house. You know, I got all the, the video game systems and I got a recording studio. I, you know, I got a keyboard if I want to play it. I got my guitars. So it, it's hard for me to get bored at home because yeah. there's so much going on, you know, and like you said, when you're on the road and stuff, you kind of miss, you know, I miss my TV show, son. It's like, fuck, I better, I can't get online because it's going to ruin my show. You know, the spoilers. And, yes. And remember yes. like Game, Game of, of Thrones. Thrones like, <laughs> yeah, it was like, I'm not going to be able to get online because back then I used to have to download uh-huh. an episode to my laptop uh-huh. and then watch it like on the bus and you know, with your headphones, and like everyone, shut up, leave me alone. I had to for wait to watch
1: with my wife, which is worse. But Ollie was watching it, oh. and he watched. There was a specific episode in the last season. I can't remember which episode it was, but he was playing the show, and he was like, "Dude, I just keep thinking about this episode." <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, crazy. <laughs> so now you get to stay home, and you don't feel guilty when
0: all your friends come through town and they're playing. <laughs> well, the thing is, I've been trying to make as many shows as possible. That's hasn't been something that I've actually spent more money on concerts Hmm. in the last couple of years. And, uh, but when you go and then you're told like, don't go backstage, like no backstage hangs. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, which is the modern era of touring
1: right now. Yeah.
0: Right. So example was, I was a friends plus one for a show. And obviously you want to thank the band. Uh Thanks for getting me on the guest list. Uh What's up great show, whatever. But, you know, you're told like no backstage hangs. You can't go back. And then a week later, like, why didn't you come backstage? It's like, whoa, (laughs) I was told not to go backstage. Like, what is it? Like, so now I'm the bad guy because I didn't go backstage. I don't, I'm so confused. Maybe I should have just stayed home. But it's very strange, you know, because I used to, not be afraid to ask to get on a guest list. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Because I was always broke. Mm -hmm. Slayer comes through town. If it's 75 bucks, I'm like, well, if I can get it for free, why don't I I get it for free? You know what I mean? But, you know, it's these days, it's more like time to pay for the ticket, you know, for a little while.
1: Mm -hmm. It is a strange time for touring. And I don't know if people know this that are listening, but bands that are touring right now are basically isolating to themselves right and there's no there's no bus hangs happening there's no bandwagon parties the bands are touring and they're staying by themselves a lot or with the touring package i imagine so it's very different so even when we do get to go back on tour it won't be what we remember it being
0: right yeah you kind of kind of you're smart you got to stay in a bubble Mm -hmm. and even these giant acts that are touring like elton john for example I mean his tour has been going for two days and then he's got cool. covid
2: yeah just yeah.
0: like that yeah it's like so i mean i don't know about you i've had it i've been through it mm. i've got vaxxed boosted, <laughs> I've, i have boosted i've gotten so many antibodies <laughs> i got like a one in a hundred chance of getting it again <laughs> but you still gotta play it smart man mm. you, you know because apparently you can get it over and over. I know so, it's like, never ending. <laughs> it's right. it sucks, man. But uh, time to, the show must go on. The but show.
1: Right? It, it's art. Art needs to. It makes us feel good. It's important. John, thank you so so much for hanging out with me, talking about your life, music, talking about being sober. I, I really really appreciate you being so open and taking the time to hang out with me. Massive massive cheers to you.
0: Right on, man. Thank you. Cheers.
1: Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right today. And you know that I love and appreciate that. Man, did I ever have a blast finally connecting with John. Uh, We've been trying to have a conversation for quite some time, and I'm very, very stoked that we did. First Sober February, what an amazing conversation. John, thank you so much for sharing your story of sobriety, your journey towards a healthier lifestyle, your uh, message about saying goodbye to hangovers for good. It uh, was a great conversation. I laughed. I really, really can't wait to hang out with you again in person to continue this conversation and to uh, laugh some more. So massive cheers to you, John. I'm stoked to hang out again. If you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast's mailing list. You could do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S scom And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week containing all of the details of everything that has happened throughout the past week in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. Including any details for any episodes which I dropped throughout that past week. If I've been a guest on someone else's podcast, as well as any information for any projects that I have in the works before I announce them to the public. You'll also get to see the album reviews, which the Vox and Hops album review crew have dropped throughout that past week. And you'll get to see which albums Jerry Monk, the metal architect himself, has added to the Brutal Awakenings playlist, which is the best playlist if you're looking for new music because Jerry just has a golden ear and puts all of the best stuff on that playlist. It's available on both Apple Music and Spotify, and trust me, you want to check this out. So do me a favor, please, sign up to the Vox and Hops metal podcasts mailing list there's just so much going on i would hate for you to miss a single thing so sign up to the mailing list the vox and hops metal podcast is brought to you by sound talent media and evergreen podcasts i hope you have a glorious weekend i will be back next week with two more episodes one on tuesday and another on friday the final two episodes of vox and hops sober february 2022 which is presented by Pitch Black North, the Satanic Tea Company. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Fox and Hops heads.
0: Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupitin. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolf